0: Hello, and welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading.
1: I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm also an editor at Light Reading.
2: And I'm Phil McKinney, the president and CEO of Cable Labs.
0: Phil McKinney, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh,
2: glad to be here.
0: Boy, we Kelsey, we, do we ever get big guests like this? It's like once a year, maybe? <laughs> twice a year?
1: And now we've got Phil squared.
0: That's mm-hmm. right. We got two. I mean, you can't go wrong having more Phil's on the podcast. It's easier for me. I, I, I'm I'm not going to totally mispronounce his name except like twice. That's going yeah. Be it.
1: Fills up the time uh, faster.
0: Okay, now here we are wasting his time. So first we, we're we're thrilled to have him on, and now we're just wasting his time. Um, I yes, we have to uh, ask about 10G because uh, you know Cable Labs one of its big initiatives uh, is 10G, and since we're in. 2022 now, and since the DOCSIS specs are done, and there's some interoperability going on, what uh, what are the sort of top 10G related goals that you have for uh, for this year?
2: Well, as we've talked about 10G, we talk about it also being multiple years, right? We we launched mm-hmm. it in nineteen January of nineteen at, at CES. Uh, we've met all of our milestones. We're actually ahead of plan for what we laid out then. Um, continue to push the curve on uh, capacity of the network. You know, where you talked a little bit about the DOCSIS spec. That's DOCSIS 4.0. And now it's, uh, you know, a number of the members have done lab trials and now uh, in the early stages of uh, vendor readiness. So that's making all good progress. But the path to, to, to uh, the ultimate vision for 10G, 10 gigabits and beyond um, is a long it's a long road right we're talking mm-hmm. multi-gigabit symmetricals coming soon and then getting into the higher speeds um, but again 10G is not just about doxus we also have a right. lot of work going on in fiber and then there's other elements low latency uh, ho- improved security uh, improved privacy um, right. and all of those elements uh, we made great progress in 21. 22, um, a lot of it is focused on, uh, the next step of speed and performance.
0: Yeah. It's, a, it's always a, I know it's a, a, we're talking about a big plat, you know, kind of platform approach. Um, I know mm-hmm. it has multiple, uh, angles to it and, uh, yeah, doxus 4 just sort of seemed like a good, uh, a good milestone marker for, mm-hmm. for where, where the platform is in this, in the space, but yeah, 10, uh, 10 gigabits symmetrical sounds, uh, Boy, I would love that. That would be great.
2: Um, <laughs> well, actually on fiber, there are places around the world you can get 10 gig today symmetrical uh-huh. on on fiber. So there's some early uh, live commercial deployments uh, on the fiber side that are uh, showing some great progress. But part of the challenge on fiber is everybody's gone fiber, right, with the RDOF mm-hmm. dollars here in the United States, with yeah. uh, government funding. Uh Fiber does have a, a a ceiling, and a lot of people don't realize that. They think, oh, fiber's just you know has no limit. Mm-hmm. But once you get north of about forty to fifty gig on a single strand fiber, you've kind of hit the ceiling. Uh, the work at cable labs on our fiber work is how do you get to terabits and multiple terabits mm-hmm. on single strand fiber? Because one thing you you learn in the network game is is there is no ceiling. You know, we may we have a hard time thinking about what are people going to do with one gig. Now you start thinking about what are people going to do with one terabit. What are they going to do with fifty tera? Someone will figure it out. Someone, <laughs> right. some innovator right. out there will figure out how to use whatever gets built. Yeah. Well,
1: I know you guys also launched a a ten G challenge uh, last fall. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? And it, it looks like there's some cash prizes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: hard, cold cash. Yeah. Yeah, The the 10G challenge is really to address this question about what are people, what are innovators going to create to take advantage of the network? So to kind of encourage uh, those innovators, we've done a couple of things. One, if you recall back starting in uh, 16, 2017, 18, we released the near future films, which were a series of four films that looked at You know, what is the future of the home going to be like? What's the future of aging in place? What's the future of of schools going to look like? What is the future of work going to look like? Based on the models of those four films, we're saying we kind of put out there a vision. Then we announced the 10G program. We want to encourage innovators to think about what could they invent? What could they create to take advantage of these networks? So we launched the 10G Challenge. We announced it at uh, Tech Expo this last October. Um, There is cash prize. So for each of the four categories of live, learn, work, play, there is a uh, prize for the best uh, idea, and that's upwards of uh, $50,000 for the best idea. Then there's an overall winner, which is $100,000. And those are non dilutive grants, meaning, you know, it's not, we're not doing it for equity of a startup and any of those kinds of things. It's basically to provide funding or cash to the winners for those that present uh, the best ideas of what you could do around play such as gaming or entertainment or new kinds of content uh, coming down the network or learning? What's the future of education? What could you do in the classroom with right. uh, gigabit kinds of uh, speeds?
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, I think the, um, uh, I think that's what we were all kind of wondering, you know, in, in conjunction with the contest is like when you, when you hear about mm-hmm. the the vision for 10g, you sort of think about, okay, well what kind of apps and services are, are going to actually, need that and not, you know, maybe not just the speed, but actually in particular, the latency, the low latency that's sort of envisioned, Mm -hmm. because you mentioned that's also a part that, that kind of goes in lockstep with the improved speed and the enhanced security is that lower latency network. Um, Can you give us an idea of like some of the things that, that have been bandied about or some of the, the applications that are in, in the works now? Um, you know, without spoiling the contest? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, actually, we could use it just as a, as a uh, tickler to get people to think about it. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, we already have submissions um, for the contest, and some of them are actually quite interesting. But with regards specifically to the low latency, which becomes almost foundational to any network of the future. Um, and in fact, when you think about it from a user's experience, We think about speed as being the most important thing. It's not. Actually, what users will notice right off the bat is the latency. Latency is now kind of bubbled up to being the thing that users will notice right away. If they're on a laggy network, they could have excess capacity in the network. But if that latency is not um, down below what we refer to as human perception, People notice it. It's the measurement that people are most uh, apt to jump on and, and comment on. Uh, and you know, in cable labs we've worked on, we've we've, we've announced low latency DOCSIS, uh, we've released low latency Wi-Fi, and these are all element pieces to deliver this end-to-end uh, low latency experience. But some of the applications that require uh, low latency. One is, is, you know, gaming. It's uh, the gaming industry has been all over this. And in fact, we've been working with some of the biggest game publishers out there uh, to have them uh, be prepared and, and understand how it works and how to take advantage mm-hmm. of it within their gameplay, um, etc. cetera. Uh, there's a lot of buzz in the marketplace right now on the metaverse. If you're going to come into a virtual world and collaborate, your ability to collaborate is really dictated by that latency. Uh, we're here, you know, doing this conversation today on a you know, very good network and and can have a back and forth conversation. Soon as any latency gets injected into any form of two-way communication, we I refer to it as people going into lean back mode. They're not engaged mm-hmm. in the conversation, they're gonna lean back and wait for a pause before jumping in to have a conversation and it changes the entire dynamic. So for the metaverse to really uh, come into its own and really be as dominant as some people are predicting, it will be low latency is absolutely the, the minimal requirement for that. Yeah.
0: Um, by the way, uh, uh, we'll, we'll we'll mark you down on the bingo card. We're, uh, we're a <laughs> <laughs> metaverse. metaverse was, was, uh, yeah one of our keywords <laughs> I got for the more,
2: year yeah low latency and i got metaverse let's see yeah, what else I I, I,
0: on on the metaverse thing is 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 there anything cable labs is is specifically doing uh you know to kind of uh, i don't know take take part in the hype around the metaverse or sort of get in the game in terms of just you know uh, you know using that occasion to increase awareness of some of the technical work that it's doing
2: yeah, I mean, you know, Gable, as we're known, is really on the access network side. But mm-hmm. what a lot of people don't know about us is the research we do on the stack that sits on top of the network. We need to understand what experiences are going to be created so that we can architect networks to support those experiences. So I think I'm going to go think it was like 2016, 2017, maybe. We had the uh, Cable Labs Board of Directors meeting. The May board meeting is always in Colorado at our headquarters. And we actually built a collaborative metaverse for the CEOs to experience in 2017. So we actually had people who were remote. One was in Boston. You know, one of the researchers in Boston. They were someplace else. And, you know, everybody at that time was wearing the big goggles and, you know, in order to create so that the CEOs could sense what the future is coming. Since then, we've continued to um, uh, continue to invest. Uh, we have a, a research program around, around what we call immersive media, um, looking at really not so much the content creation side, because that's being done by companies like Lightro and et cetera, or the displays like Lightfields um, and others. Uh, but more about how does that content get moved around on the network. So Cable Labs and a couple of people in Hollywood, along with some others, created a a new organization called Ideas, and it really is around this immersive experience to create the, the standards so that when content is being moved back and forth in the metaverse or if you're doing new kinds of storytelling in the metaverse, how does that content get distributed in the network? How do you do that as most effectively and efficiently as possible? So a lot of people would not put cable labs or even the cable industry as a thought leader in this space. But actually, we, we collectively, as an industry, have been in this space for quite some time and have played and continue to play a pretty strong uh, leadership role, stitching together all the other elements that are coming together. Because if they don't play well together, if they don't interrupt together, uh, the metaverse will just never exist. Proprietary solutions um, are not the path to success in this game.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, especially in, in, in light of the, the you know, the experience that everybody's cr- craving, which you know like what it's probably going to start out as is I guess small experiences and fixed locations and that sort of thing, but for it to really take off, like you said, that interoperability has to be there, and that's going to take a lot more work than just one company can do by itself.
2: Well, and I think I think the ind- I think the companies have figured out that they can't go it alone. Right? This this is a big, big, big lift. I mean, whether it's Microsoft or Facebook or excuse me, Meta, um, it is. They all recognize that they're this ad, this is going to require um, a, a broad play. One is is just the. Uh, the sheer v- amount of data. If you think about, for instance, if you're doing our true, what we refer to as volumetric, holographic kinds of experiences where the person looks and feels 3D, um, you're, you're pushing a lot of pixels um, to convey that experience, which means you need big pipes, you need big networks, you need low latency, yeah. you need display technologies, you need camera technologies to capture that image um, in order to recreate that in a, in a, in a digital world. Um, there's a lot of players all being supplied by different parts. No one company is in a position, one, to either even have the expertise, two, much less uh, stitch it all together to make it work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, go ahead, Kelsey. Was- we got some.
1: Uh, yeah, question. you were you're touching on earlier about um you know the importance of addressing latency and the customer experience. And um I saw that in the fall um you all announced uh adaptive route control. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and and does that um also help kind of improve uh you know the the network experience?
2: Yeah, so adaptive route control or what we call ARC uh project at cable labs is really around the, the challenge, not so much of the low latency piece, but just the overall connected experience, right? How many times have you been on your mobile phone where, um, you know, your, your cellular network is really lagging or the, the internet connectivity to your to, to a Wi-Fi, you're someplace where the Wi-Fi all of a sudden goes out, and the phones and, and your devices don't work very well at being able to switch back and forth. So Arc actually looks at a couple different things. One is it's constantly monitoring the networks and can literally switch such that you do not lose any sessions or any experiences. And you can also program it to look at certain types of packets. Where do you want to send them? If something is more time sensitive, put that on the faster network. Things that are less time sensitive, you can put it onto maybe the slower network or Uh, always stitch a certain software experience or or data onto a certain uh, network so it it allows for a level of experience that is uh, pretty shockingly better than what we all have today walking around with our devices and in fact you know the joke at cable labs is everybody wants to be the beta tester for arc on their (laughs) phones um, because it solves the issue of you know your you know your internet is really laggy. So what do you do? You go turn Wi-Fi off, right? right. But you got to be the yeah. one to go turn it off. Mm-hmm. Right. It is basically your digital finger that's constantly watching the network, okay. and just constantly moving your packets to maintain the best possible experience given wherever you're standing. So yes, Arc is is a technology. Albeit today, it's primarily think of it as is a, as a mobile phone type of experience. Um, but it isn't restricted to that. Anytime you have multiple network options on wherever you're at, ARC has has that ability to be able to direct and maximize the experience, taking advantage of the best of all the assets it has available to it, whether so if it's got cellular, Wi-Fi, fiber, and an HFC network, it can manage all of that to give you the best experience and do it without you needing to even know that it's there.
0: Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah that's definitely, Maybe a, the technology. A, yeah, it's definitely an issue too. Cause it's like, our, our, you know, the more, the more stuff we load up on our phones, the more, uh, you know, chatty they are with the network and moving data back and forth and that sort of thing.
2: Well, and, 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 and it is because bandwidth now has become so prolific mm-hmm. application providers have gotten a little sloppy. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of chatter and a lot of data going across the network that a lot of users just aren't even aware of, which ties then also back to things on like privacy, right? There, you know, personal information leakage that mm, occurs sure. in the applications that go across the network is a is is a big problem. And there's been some companies, some some phone manufacturers, and others that have are attacking, you know, trying to attack that problem by being as transparent um, as possible, but you know, the, you know, with lots of bandwidth, people just get sloppy and yeah, assume they yeah. can just send everything and sends everything sometimes.
0: Yeah. I know I, I, the times I get asked, I was, I'm an iPhone user. And, uh, um, I, the times I get asked, you know, it's like, does this app need to have your location or whatever? And I'm like, why? No. I'm just ordering muffins, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, or whatever, you know, it's like, they're, they're always, uh, um, asking me the, the weirdest applications are asking for things like, you know, uh, camera access and and in my personal location and i'm just like well, what do they need that for you know so <laughs> right. it's, sometimes it's kind of kind of off-putting well, but like, interesting <laughs> and, I
2: do, and i do give like apple apple deserves credit with the the how hard they've come down on forcing the application providers to be transparent with the users Yeah. Right. So whether just being sneaky, you you has to be explicit. You you want to grant this application access to your camera, to your microphone, to your location, location all the time, or only when you're using the app, right? And and I think it's shocking when it first got turned on, how many people were surprised on how many applications and what each of these applications were using, to where now I think everybody's just like default no. <laughs> you know, That's right. Just, just automatically default no on everything. Don't. You know. I
1: yeah. I I do that all the time, and then sometimes I'm like, oh, I guess it does actually need to know
2: my location. Yeah. No, but I, but, but here, okay. But here, here's here's the uh, the question, Chelsea. you know I don't know about you, but in my case, it's more of I default no until it proves that it needs it. Yes. Right. Then yeah, I turn exactly. it on. Yep. Right? Yeah. Right. Because I'd much rather swing to the you know because we've all had that freaky experience. My wife and I went to a, a movie we came out of the movie and there was one of those big cardboard cutouts and you're standing there in front of the movie and you're going, Oh, this is a movie I want to go see. Right. We're standing there talking about it. Then we go out into the car. My wife pulls up her phone and what's the next ad <laughs> for that movie. Oh, wow. movie? Yeah. yeah. Right. And everybody goes, Oh my God, they're listening to the microphone. Well, they're not really listening to the microphones, but my wife had location tracking turned on. She has right. an Android, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And they knew that she was in a movie. She knew right. where she. they were literally standing. They actually have the map of the floor of the movie theater. So they know what poster you're standing in front of Boy. so that they can push that ad to remind you of that movie that you stood. you hesitated. You stood there for 15 seconds. You mm-hmm. must be interested in that poster. You must be interested in that movie. The sophistication for the ad model has gotten crazy.
0: Yeah,
1: Yeah. it's frightening.
0: (laughs) Well, it definitely knows what part of 7-Eleven I'm always. I'm always standing next to the beer cooler, apparently.
1: According
0: (laughs) to my thing, it's like they send me in for milk. I never end up there. I'm always always getting the ads for something else. You um,
1: want an IPA, don't you?
0: <laughs> that's right. For Eric, me, it's a want, Three
2: Musketeers. I can't pass the Three Musketeers.
0: Delicious beer that tastes like grass clippings. It's all mm. good. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, we'll, one more question, if you have a moment, and then we'll yep. we'll, we'll uh, leave you alone. Um, I, I wanted to ask about uh, the fixed wireless uh, specs. Uh, the, the the acronym was Farmsys, and I'm I'm still not exactly. Sure, if that was a direct acronym or kind of an amalgamation, or but, maybe uh, Farm Kiss, it, it might not <laughs> <that>. was it <laughs> that, but it was a, a fixed wireless access for rural areas, and it was it was using uh, Doxis and uh, mm-hmm. coax infrastructure. Uh, yep. I, I'm curious, so I, I guess maybe I've answered my own question, but how how does that differ from the the kind of the traditional approaches for fixed wireless access that we're seeing uh, rolled out in the market and, and where is, where is that going? Or, you know, uh, where, where is Cable Labs hoping to see that in the market?
2: Yeah. So FarmSys, the name actually came up more, as was a little bit of a joke. Uh, Mm -hmm. The researcher who came up with the project, uh, Daryl Malice, um, uh, grew up rural, right? Mm -hmm. Father, uncles, all farmed or whatever. So, think of it as doxes for farms. Farmsys ah, is cool. where the name came from. But the uh, the the research objective was is if you sit back and you talk and you think about networks, right? So, if you think about the the, the cable network, the fiber networks in rural uh, America, but it also applies in other parts of the world. Um, what you tend to find is is that there's networks running right down the poles, aerial plant, uh, that, that are connecting two cities. Well, everybody who lives within a certain distance of that road, though, doesn't have broadband. The cities have the broadband, but right. the cost to do drops off that pole to then have to go, you know, two, three, four, five kilometers trenching in order to get it to a house, really, really expensive. Labor's yeah. the expensive element to that. So, is there an alternative way to get that service? Which I can look out my front window and I can see that telephone pole, but I can't get it to the house. So, it is a fixed wireless solution. What is unique about it, though, is is that the um, the spectrum and the the, the 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 approach we use to send the signal um, allows us to deliver good speeds. Um, but it also allows for all existing doxis CPE gear to work in the home unmodified. So okay. doxis modems, right. set top boxes, all the compatibility
0: aids. just translates. Right. So the compatibility cool.
2: with the entire doxis infrastructure allows you to use doxis CPE gear in a farm deployment. That's unique from let's say uh, white space or millimeter wave or any of these others where you have to do full end to end proprietary right. for the solution that's involved, and this basically takes Doxis right off the pole, whether it's HFC or fiber, wirelessly delivers it home, has a little antenna picks it up, and then puts it right back into Doxis, and therefore all the Doxis uh, CPE gear can can run off of that, and. Uh, and again, it's part of cable labs and our industry's investments in how do you bring broadband to people who just don't have an alternative? The cost to deliver uh, broadband services and in the most rural parts of, uh, of of the country, how do you do that? How do you solve that in a, in a cost effective way, and but bring them a service that is as important as broadband is.
0: Yeah, the compatibility sounds interesting because the last time I tried this is dating me a little bit but the last time I tried a fixed wireless deployment or fixed wireless technology was uh I guess it was kind of fixed wireless was that clear wire thing mm-hmm. that, that came out a few years ago and uh or Sprint had it, it yeah was,
2: it was Wimax Wimax was on, that's what it was, it was based yeah on and WiMAX. it was one of
0: those things where it was like you know okay I was all excited about it I ordered it and then they were like oh okay but you need this for your You need this kind of router for your house. I was like, okay, cool. Oh yeah. None, none of your stuff's going to work. You got to do this kind of thing here. And, you know, it was like, I kept just replacing (laughs) gadget by gadget in the house. I know. Yeah. I was, it was like, eventually I got it to do Wi-Fi, but it was, it was, it was, yeah, there was the dongles and all the other stuff to get every other device in the house to work. I had to, um, I had to either run it through, you know, a thing and translate it or buy all kinds of gear and stuff like that. Just having stuff uh, compatible right out of the box is way better. Uh, you know, way, way, a lot more thought yeah, on and, 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 and implementation.
2: Well, the problem is, is that, you know, particularly when you're talking about like, okay, it's an installed base, right? So if you think about clear wire and WiMAX, people already had stuff in their house. Now they got to come in and replace it all. Yeah. And the installers, you know, the biggest asset that, the, the mso industry has is the field staff right. you know the people going out there and doing the install well the fact that it's all doxas cpe gear looks doxas tastes doxas smells like doxas meaning you don't have to retrain your field installers you know to do the installs and setups and get homes up and running etc it has it has you know some huge advantage and and you know is it does it apply to everywhere rural? No, you you got to have plant within a within a reasonable distance, in order for the signals you know to go. Those types of things. But when you look at particularly those homes that are kind of between me, you know, I wouldn't call a major major rural cities or little towns. Sure. You know, and you got all that fiber running, and you got HFC plants running between towns then you've got the ability to kind of start doing a little bit of a fill-in strategy. And when you think about what we call at Cable Labs, our project around what we call the digital divide, which is affordability and accessibility, mm-hmm. this solves the accessibility. Can I get access to broadband, right? And uh, this is just one of many projects that we work on. But to address the the accessibility and the affordability piece, it's not going to be one broadband industry provider you know cable can't solve it fiber can't solve it all satellites are good for some things Uh, you know other players fixed wireless white space etc is it's it's going to take really an amalgamation of all of the technologies that deliver broadband Mm -hmm. to solve the uh, digital divide problem
0: yeah definitely Okay, well, we, uh, we should leave it there for now for in the interest of time and, uh, and, and your schedule. And I, I just don't want to get yelled at, really. I'm a big chicken. That's, that's mostly my, uh, uh, my, my thing. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, uh, Phil McKinney, thank you so much for, uh, for being part of this podcast. And please do uh, give us a, a bit of info about how to find your podcast. Where can we uh, go to find more information about that?
2: Yeah, so my podcast is called Killer Innovations. We are actually coming up on season 18 here in March. Uh, We started in 2005, so it's been going for quite some time. And it's all on innovation, creativity, leadership, um, all about uh, building the the new thing. What's the next thing coming over the horizon, and uh, how can uh, our listeners – be thinking in ways to take advantage of the new stuff coming and be successful
0: it's a combination of farmsys and the metaverse it'll be far, <laughs> pharmaverse. it'll be just just where where you can you go into a virtual space but you can only visit rural areas
1: <laughs> that's
0: just a terrible idea you have to Uh, join at 4 a.m yeah yeah, that's right
2: that's right (laughs) nobody else is using it all right
0: there we go uh thank you mr mckinney we will talk to you soon thanks for being on the podcast
2: thanks for having me